Hello. Thanks for connecting to the teachings of Prophet Lovi Elias. May you be blessed by this teaching and may your life never be the same. To get the most value from this word, empty your heart and be ready to receive. If you have been impacted by this ministry and want to sow into it, please visit prophetlovi.com or revelationchurchla.org. Now here's our prophet, Dr. Lovi Elias. God bless you all in the name of Jesus. It is amazing, 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 amazing uh, to be live with you all. It's been some time, but I thank God that we are here now and... Um, I am excited for all the things that the Lord Jesus is going to do for us. Uh, today is a prayer hour. I wanted to teach a little bit because uh, this, uh, from tomorrow we have prophetic service. And then on Friday we have our healing school, which is called Healed, which is going to be Friday and Saturday. It's going to be two sessions two sessions uh, a day, um, so Friday morning, Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, and then on Sunday we will have a miracle service, which is going to be phenomenal. So I am excited, I want you to let somebody know, that will let somebody know that we are live. Please hit those like buttons as many times as possible, so that uh, people will know that I am live. I haven't been on for a while, but I believe that something special is going to happen. And I can guarantee you, I feel like this uh, live will have the spirit of delete. Uh, I didn't want to write that when I was coming live, but I truly believe it will have the spirit of delete. So I want you to share this, click the like as many times as possible. And, um, and I tell you this. The Lord Jesus will be glorified. Amen. You see, um, I'm working on, um, on a group thing that I'm going to be doing on Telegram very soon. When I announce it, I'll let you know. Um, that is going to be for some teachings that I can't do online for everybody. It will be for seasoned sons and daughters so that I don't have to uh, delete things. At this amen, I don't like it. Maybe online. So um, I think I lost my monitor. Um, so that way we can, we can grow, and you will understand in a little bit on what I'm going to teach. I believe that it will open your eyes. Can you refresh it for me, please? I believe it's going to um, open your, uh, your, your, your eyes, and it's going to refresh you. Uh, profoundly in God. Like it's going to refresh you profoundly in God in order for you to walk with the Lord Jesus the way you ought to. So uh, my goal is to be now, since I'm not traveling for a long while, is to do as many reveals as possible because I feel like I have missed out also. I love doing this revealed and uh, it's, it's my favorite time to teach. Now, I want you to hear me by the Spirit of God. I want you to keep clicking the likes, and I, and I want you to share as many times as possible. Let somebody know that we'll let somebody know that we are alive. But I want you to understand something. How do you know that you are increasing in the knowledge of God? 
You see, when you are in the kingdom of God, there are different kinds of understandings and knowledge that we receive. But there are some informations that are more important than others. And there are others that don't add anything to do uh, with your salvation in God. Let me give you an example. Knowing about angels is advantageous, but it is never necessary for salvation. You don't need to know that in order for you to experience salvation or experience the presence of God. But if you want to see the manifest power of God, it is necessary. Why? Because there are ministering spirits sent to minister to us as we serve God. They are there to assist us in the work that God Almighty has given us. So I need you to understand that and I need you to understand this with everything. I am not saying that uh, you don't need to know, but it is not necessary. I, are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. Because majority of the people, even though we will minister to people, many of us will not minister to people in, in, in uh, like we, we are not sent to the masses and to the world. Some people are just sent to your family, to your friends, which is okay. And even in that, Angels of God have the ability to assist you because they help us in serving the purpose of God. Sorry, that's my alarm for prayer. I'm sorry, I don't know how to use that phone. All right, there we go. You know, it's a, I don't know if you're understanding me. It is, it is good, but it is not a necessity of salvation. It will benefit you. It will benefit you in your understanding of this great God we serve. But you don't need them to know the love of God. You need to know Jesus to know the love of God. Amen. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. So it is not necessary. It's important but not necessary. There are more important things within God. So what is the recipe? Now I want you to hear this. What is the recipe of understanding that you are going beyond humanity into the divine? You see, the Lord Jesus said something very beautiful and it has always remained with me every time I read it. It, it touches me in places that only, only God can touch. The Lord Jesus made this statement. He said, I am telling you of earthly things. And you're having a hard time to understand. What if I tell you about heavenly things? So understand this. It means that Jesus wanted to speak to us more about heaven. But he could not. Because the people of his hour, the people of his day, could not digest the simple things he was teaching them. Because of the bondage of religion and traditions. They found the disciples of Jesus eating. They, says, why? they said, why don't your disciples eat? He said, why should they eat when they are with me? Amen. Wait, what? So you're saying it is not necessary to fast if you're with Jesus. No, you didn't hear what I said. It is important, but it's not necessary. He said, when I will be taken from them, 
then they will fast. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? But traditionally, the way everybody in this season fasted and this other season they did not fast. Notice, the Lord came to break that in order for people to fast when they are led by the Spirit. Not just because the whole church is fasting, so I will fast, even though that is good. Let's say your church is Holy Ghost led, which is the only church you should be in. And, and your pastor says, we are going to go on a 21 days of fasting and prayer. Then you do it. Because God is saying you will see benefits. But just because everyone is fasting in this, in this month, so you also fast, it doesn't necessarily mean you reap results. Is this the fast I ordained for you? See, there's a fast ordained for you. There's a fast that is ordained for every stage of your life. Are you comprehending what I'm saying? So how do you know? How do you know? that you are beginning to grow into the divine knowledge of God. Now, what do I mean by divine knowledge of God? If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, How be it we speak wisdom to them that are perfect, but not the wisdom of this age, not the wisdom of this world that is coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom of God that was ordained from the beginning of the world unto our glory. You see, many times when people speak about the knowledge of God, they only speak about what is written. But yet there is a divine, not saying this is not divine, but there is a divine wisdom that was preordained, meaning there is no record of. That there is no record of. That is a mystery. That it will take somebody to walk in the spirit of God in order to decode it. It will take divine revelation for your eyes to open and to say, Ah, I never knew this is possible. Remember, God said to Moses, nobody sees me and lives, right? He said, Lord, I want to see you. He said, nobody sees me and lives, but I will pass before you and I will allow you to see my back, right? You read in the book of Numbers. Can you go to Numbers where uh, he says, uh, if they be a prophet among you? Numbers 12. As quickly as you can, I want to show you something before I go into what I want because we don't have too much time. Mm -hmm. Numbers 12, 6, who's reading? Uh -huh. And he said, hear now my words. Mm -hmm. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in mm -hmm. a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. Mm -hmm. My servant Moses is not so, mm -hmm. who is faithful in all mine house. Mm -hmm. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. Wait, I thought you said he can't see you. I thought you said if I see you, you will die. But now you're saying he will see you apparently. 
and you speak to him mouth to mouth and not in dark speeches. So did God mean if you see him, you actually die? Or did it mean if you see him, you will no longer be you? Uh, you didn't get what I'm saying. Because remember, there is no death in God. He is the author of life. So how can you meet the author of life? Who in him there is no death? You see him and you die. Unless he meant it to be the death of your old life. And it will be a different... I, I don't know if you're understanding what I'm saying. So say, there are people who build a doctrine that uh, you can't see God. But here is Moses, God himself, not Moses saying. Then Moses goes on to say, God will give you a prophet likened unto me. And what was that, what was that other prophet? What was likened unto Moses? He saw God face to face, he spoke to him mouth to mouth. And this was speaking about the Lord Jesus. That's why you find in the Gospels, uh, it says they were asking him a question. Are you the prophet or the Messiah? They knew if he said, I am the prophet, it means he's the Messiah. Because that prophet was supposed to walk with God in such a high dimension that you would think he is God. Because he was God. So it was a trick question. Which one of the two are you? Are you the Messiah or the prophet? Are you getting what I'm saying? That's why you wonder why they were asking him, are you the prophet? Have you ever noticed that? Not just, are you a prophet? They will say, are you the prophet? Referring to who Moses was speaking about. It is impossible for anyone to see the Lord Jesus and remain the same. So people now go around, you say, ah, the Lord appeared to me. And they will say, ah, the Lord, no one has ever seen God. Why are you saying the Lord appeared to you? Because they don't understand what scripture was saying. You see, for healed, I'm preparing a, a, a little booklet. And it's from the 10 lessons I learned from the angel of the Lord that appeared to me in 2012. When the Lord commissioned me to start his work. I healed is going to be crazy. Amen. It's going to be crazy. From that book, I will share principles that I learned. Very simple, direct to the point. Auntie Benz has set her eyes on it. And, and she knows what it's about. Ah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's good. It's good. It's a shortcut into the mysteries of God. Now, now, notice this. Let's go to the Bible. Go to John chapter 6. And I want you to read from verse 41. John 6, 41. Mm -hmm. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Notice, the Jews murmured with him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Okay, keep reading. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? Mm -hmm. How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Notice this. Jesus tells them, I'm the bread of life that came from heaven. You see, you accept it. 
because you have already given yourself to Jesus. But somebody in the world or somebody in religion, before Jesus was truly revealed, if you said this, it would offend them. I want you to look at the picture of where the Jews were. Here is Jesus telling them, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. They said, my guy, we know you didn't come from heaven. Mary carried you nine months. You are the son of Joseph, meaning we don't know about your immaculate conception. Because that was discovered later after Jesus is gone. It's only his disciples and his family knew. So how can you say you came down from heaven, yet we know Joseph is your dad? Amen. Notice the statement of Jesus offended them. If you have never been offended by God's word, you are not growing. No, you didn't hear what I said. Notice the first statement Jesus said made them grumble. Keep going. John 6 uh, and 43. Mm -hmm. Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. Mm -hmm. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, mm -hmm. and I will raise him up at the last day. Mm -hmm. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Stop right there. Jesus just told them I'm God. They will be taught of God. Ah, he's making it worse. First he said he's the bread that came from heaven. Now he's telling them they will be all taught by God because no one comes to him unless they are drawn to him by his Father. Now, here's a contradiction now to them. My guy, who are you saying you are? You just said you are the bread from heaven, which is wrong. Your father is Joseph. Number two, you are saying we will all be taught by God, so we should not fear because it is your father that has drawn us to you. Notice, all these statements are based on your spiritual understanding, then you will understand. If you don't understand that God is a triune God, who has a triune nature, you will, and you will be confused. I thought you said you came from God from heaven. How are you then a God? Is God in heaven or is, they will be confused? Yeah. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. Keep going. Watch this. John 6 and 46. Mm -hmm. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, mm -hmm. he hath seen the Father. Mm -hmm. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Mm -hmm. I am that bread of life. Stop right there. That's so offensive. You're talking to religious people. Who to them, something is wrong with your head. Only God gives life. Who is this Jesus saying, I am? You know, you, you can take that verse and say, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I believe in Jesus and everybody who shall. Amen. Because that revelation is now old news. But for you, you think it's over. No, it's not. There are still more mysteries of God that you do not know. Amen. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. Keep going. 
keep going because right. of time. Mm -hmm. okay. John 6 and 48. Uh -huh. I am that bread of life. Uh -huh. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. Uh -huh. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, mm -hmm. that a man may eat thereof and not die. So notice now he went far. <laughs> he said, I am the bread that has come from heaven. I have, he said, I have come from heaven. No, you're born of Joseph. You said they will all be taught by God. You are saying you're God. You compared yourself to our ancestors that we revere. Saying they all ate manna and they are dead. But I am that bread that if you eat, you will not die. Wait. How eat you? Where, where are you going with this? Keep going. Uh -huh. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. Uh -huh. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. Mm -hmm. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, mm -hmm. which I will give for the life of the world. Hey, Jesus, you are an occultist. You're talking about being a cannibal. Now, you have to understand, Jesus wasn't only speaking cannibalistic according to them. That's a satanic ritual. Only Satanists eat human flesh and drink blood. Let me tell you something that many of you need to be very prayerful, especially for your children. Do you know why there are many disappearances of kids? A lot of the kids that you see disappear that are never found, nobody ever finds a trace of them. They are probably on an altar sacrificed. This is 100% true. 100% true. It is by God's grace that kids grow up where they are watched over and nothing happens. Amen. There are kids who are overseen properly and one day you can't find them because they are already marked by some occultist person. This is a fact. There are countries I know that uh, even the places that I grew up in, you just see, oh, this kid, oh, they found remains of this, oh, they found this. Even here in America, it happens all the time. It's just many of it don't make the news. Human sacrifice, big time. This is why if you're ignorant of Satan's devices, You'll be wasting time comparing your theology to another person. Yet there are people who are dying. Amen. Keep reading. Watch this. Verse 52. Mm -hmm. The Jews therefore strove among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Notice. They said this guy. How can he give us his flesh to eat? Keep going. Then Jesus said unto them, mm -hmm. Verily, verily, I say unto you, mm -hmm. except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. He took it far, drink my blood. Jesus is not stopping. <laughs> Come on, JC. He keeps poking them. Because the more he's speaking, he's speaking plainly. 
as he would speak spiritually, plainly. So here they are. The Lord is speaking to them. First he said, I came down from heaven. Number two, he's saying, I am God. Number three, he's saying, if you believe in me, you have life, not your God, me. Number four, he says, uh, you need to eat my meat, my own flesh. Number five, he says, now you need to drink my blood. Ah, my guy. Even our father Abraham, we never, uh, we never had them saying, eat flesh and drink blood. Moses never said this. Abraham never said this. Elijah never even dared to say this. What is wrong with this guy? Keep reading. Verse 54. Mm -hmm. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, mm -hmm. and I will raise him up at the last day. Mm -hmm. For my flesh is meat indeed, and mm -hmm. my blood is drink indeed. Mm -hmm. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. Mm -hmm. As the living Father has sent me, and mm -hmm. I live by the Father, mm -hmm. so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. Mm -hmm. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Notice. Are you bread or are you meat? Now that's a whole different subject. We just don't have time to go into. We just don't have time to get into. So we'll move on. I may need to do a part two for this. Keep going. I want you to see something. Keep reading. Verse 59. Mm -hmm. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Mm -hmm. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Notice what they said. They say, ah, this is, I can't believe this. You see, here's the problem. They said, this is a hard saying. Who can even listen to this? Meaning you went overboard. You see, when you're a baby Christian, you judge everything from your scope of understanding. And everyone who says a hard saying beyond what you know is a warlock, is a wizard. Yet I don't know of any warlock or any wizard that leads people to Jesus. That tells you repent, believe on the Lord. They tell you, I am not your healer, only Jesus can heal you. Trust on him. Are you getting what I'm saying? You see, the Bible says, lean not on your own understanding. Let me give you an example. Jesus is with his disciples. Oh, David was with his uh, soldiers. And they were hungry. They went into the temple and they ate the manna. Okay, you guys, I don't know if you guys know about this. They ate bread sanctified for God on God's altar. They ate it and God did not strike them. But in any other case, anyone that touched that bread was dead. God will strike you, God himself. 
So what was the difference here? To one, that is a holy place a sinner can go, not go into. To another, this is my father's house, I'm hungry. How can I die of hunger yet my father has bread in his house? I don't know if you're understanding what I'm trying to say. So to one, it means one thing, and to another means another thing, not because of difference of opinion. You see, when it comes to the word of God, it's not about what I think. It is about what is the spirit of God saying through what I have read. There is the basic interpretation of what is written. And then there is the revelation of what is written. Many that argue scripture argue from the place of simply what is written, not the revelation of what is written. Jesus in Luke chapter 4, he comes and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and to the broken hearted. You know how it goes. And after that, he sat down and everybody was looking at him because of the beautiful words that he said. And then Jesus said, the words you have heard are fulfilled in your ears. They looked at him, they said, come on, bro. First of all, you've read a scripture that we don't usually read. And you are here telling us that just because we heard you reading it, that now this word is fulfilled. Who do you think you are? Notice, every time Jesus spoke of revelation, he offended people. Every time the Lord Jesus spoke heavenly language, he offended people. That Jesus realized that this man cannot hear me. He started speaking in parables. He said, why is it that you cannot hear my speech? Why is it that you cannot understand me? They said, no. We are children of Abraham. He said, no, you're not Abraham's children. If you are Abraham's children, then you will hear my saying because your father Abraham was glad to see my day. Notice every time Jesus spoke freely, he offended people. They said, who do you think you are? Abraham is older than you. You are like in your 30s. You're talking about our father Abraham. He was glad to see you. Jesus said, uh, before Abraham I am, they said, this ninja, we got to throw him off the cliff. Blasphemy. <laughs> so whenever Jesus wasn't in the place of defense, which is parables, they were ready to kill him. Because every time he spoke divinely, he provoked somebody. Ah, uh, you're not hearing me. Every single time he spoke pure revelation. Those who got it clinged to life. And those who did not get it were offended. Not only by his words, but of him. This is why the prophets were killed. 
Yeah, this is why the prophets were killed. Some even on the altar. Now look at what Jesus says. Keep going. These people said, the people said that uh, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Read from there. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, does this offend you? Okay, start before that. Start before, before that. This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Okay, uh, verse 60. Mm -hmm. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Mm -hmm. Who can hear it? Mm -hmm. When Jesus knew in himself that, this, that his disciples murmured at it, he mm -hmm. said unto them, mm -hmm. Doth this offend you? Mm -hmm. What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? Wait, 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 wait. He offended them even more. Because the more they provoke him to speak his language, he's going deeper and deeper. He's not stopping. <laughs> Jesus asked them, is this, Does this offend you? What if you see me now going back where I came from? Whoa! You think Jesus would turn it down? But the more they provoked his spirit, the more they pushed his spirit, the more he revealed of who he is. Many of you pray, oh, Father, reveal yourself to me. God will reveal himself and you reject him. It is easier for people to believe what demons will say, what wizards will say, what witchcraft declares, than to hear what is of God and receive it. Because you see, the nature of sin is in the devil and is also in man. Because Satan was the first one to sin. He carried sin, but sin had not entered into men. But because of Adam, sin entered into the bloodline of men. So it is easy for you to believe Satan because you share in the nature. Ah. Uh, you didn't hear what I said. This is why in the world it's easy for people to believe Satan is more powerful than God. That people have foolish pictures of Satan arm wrestling with Jesus. Haven't you ever seen that? A fight between good and evil. Who told you anyone can fight with God? The earth is the Lord's and everyone in it, even dev the devil, is his. Amen. You have never seen anywhere in scripture the devil contending with God. Amen. But the men and the world of sin has equalized the devil to God. I don't know if you are hearing what I'm saying. We have equalized the creator. We have equalized the creator to a fallen being that the creator himself just kicked him out of heaven. One day I will tell you the mystery of how the devil fell because the Lord showed it to me and I'm going to show it to you. And I will show it to you in scripture. Part by part. And I will fill in for you some gaps that I saw in the vision that I was taught in. 
Ah, it's profound. Maybe this will be for a group that I'm preparing to do. But, but I want you to grasp this and understand this. I want you to grasp this and understand this. And when the group will be up, it will be on my website and people will go and, and, and uh, sign up for the group. It will come later. I, I don't know if, you are, uh, if you're getting what I'm, what I'm saying. Every time you hear from God, you'll be offended. Let me give you an example. We are saved through what? Grace. We are saved through what? Grace. Where sin abounds, grace abounds what? The more. But I will not frustrate the grace of God. For if the law ought to be kept, and I'm paraphrasing here, then Jesus died for nothing. That's what the Bible says. So if for me to be good or for me to be acceptable to God requires for me to be good according to the law, then Jesus died for nothing. Do you know what just Paul told you? Stop keeping the law. You can't. So why are you striving to keep the law? Not understanding that every time you try to keep the law, you make the flesh alive. Because he that is dead, the law no longer applies to them. But how do you die? How do you die? How do you deny yourself? You see, many of you are suppressing sin, but you have not been delivered from sin. You didn't hear what I told you. Some of you think you're delivered from sin. No, you haven't. You are just suppressing sin. The Bible says those who are in Christ sin not. Not they keep themselves from sin. They just don't sin. It's a nature. It means they are free from the temptation and the attraction of sin. They are not suppressing their flesh. I wish you would understand this, but you see, a religious person who thinks what they do is what makes them pleasing to God, not understanding that all your works are filthy rags. You see, we say that loosely, saying that, ah, you know, you have to live for God. If me living for God is filthy rags because my righteousness is not acceptable, doesn't the Bible say that? So how do I truly live for Christ? You see, that's a question many cannot answer because they are not spiritual. Amen. They have relied on the flesh to please God, yet everything of the flesh is sin. Yeah. Every single thing of the flesh is sin, is failure. It will never, ever, ever get you close to God. Never. This is why being a good person counts for nothing. You'll be a good person and you will see hell, not heaven. Because you're not saved because of your goodness. 
I am not saved because of my righteousness. We are saved because of his righteousness. Jesus is our righteousness, not our righteousness qualifies us. So anyone that is religious will hear this statement and they will be offended because they have been taught to use their strength to please God. Yet God simply wants us to believe on Jesus Christ. And when the work of the Holy Spirit begins, we are delivered from sin from within. The appeal of sin simply dies. That it doesn't matter if you present sin to me. I don't see the point of engaging in it. It is no longer attractive to me. It is no longer pleasing to me. It is no longer enticing to me. I can live without it. I can see it from a distance and even feel sorry for you. Not because I have become better, but because God has changed me. But because grace has been available for me to change. But this statement will be offensive to somebody that is religious. They will say, be holy for God is holy. They don't even know what holiness is. They confuse holiness with righteousness. There is nothing you can do to be holy. Nothing. Holiness has nothing to do with sin. Let me prove it to you. I have set you apart, a holy nation. When did Israel ever be holy? The guy who had the name himself was not holy. How is Israel holy? And God is saying, I have set you apart. You are my holy nation. (laughs) You are my holy nation. Yet the people who he's calling his holy nation are all sinners. And the God of the holy prophets, tell me one prophet that wasn't sinning. Which prophet was holy? (laughs) Which prophet is holy? Tell me one human being that is holy. There's none that is holy. There's none that is good. So God is telling you there is none that is good. Except God. He said this to the rich young ruler. Why do you call me good teacher? There is none that is good except God. Jesus was saying, do you know that I'm God? For you to call me good. Because none on earth is good. But the man didn't catch what Jesus was saying. So when somebody is getting you on your, good, on your best behavior, which is commendable, but some people who you see well behaved, heaven doesn't even recognize them. They appear perfect to men, but to God, they are so far from him. Remember in Matthew chapter 6, and I'm about to finish, And we're going to go back to John. But in Matthew chapter 6, there were two men praying. One said, Father, I thank you that I'm not like these guys. And the other one was beating his chest and saying, Lord, I'm not even worthy to look to heaven. 
And God was pleased by him, not the one who wasn't like other people. Why? Because of what they achieved in the flesh. Whenever a person begins to boast, I don't know if you can hear me. Whenever a person begins to boast, whenever a person is sinning, Let me, let me say this right so I don't offend people. Or maybe I shouldn't care. Let's look at this quickly. Romans 7.15. Romans 7.15. Romans 7.15. Mm-hmm. For that which I do, I allow not. Mm-hmm. For what I would, that do I not. But okay, what read I read it in the NIV simplest. I want to read this one simple before I finish. Okay. I have like two minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. Romans seven fifteen. Mm-hmm. I do not understand what I do. Mm-hmm. For what I want to do, I do not do. Mm-hmm. But what I hate, I do. <laughs> Notice, he said, what I don't want to do is the one I'm doing. Right. And what I, don't want to, the one that I, I, what I don't want to do, I do. And the one I want to do, I don't do. Notice, as long as you are the one who is wanting, you are not in control. The flesh is alive. You can't control it. The flesh's solution is to die. Notice the Bible says, die to the flesh. It doesn't say murder the flesh. Many of you are trying to murder the flesh. You're trying to take out the flesh. You're trying to assassinate the flesh. Yet the, the, the flesh is supposed to die on its own. It's just supposed to die. It didn't say murder it. It didn't say assassinate it. It didn't say stop it. It just said let it die. Paul said I die to my flesh daily. I crucify it daily. Meaning I am watching it die. Every single day. But how do you kill the flesh? How do you kill it? You don't kill it because you pray. You find some of the most prayerful people many times have the greatest weaknesses. How do you kill the flesh? You starve it. Whatever is not fed dies. You are supposed to feed another thing and ignore the flesh. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. When your focus is God, your spirit man eats and your flesh dies. You see, your flesh does not live on just the bread that you're eating. Or the fufu. (laughs) Or the hamburger or whatever you eat. What your body lives on is the pleasures and the entertainments of this world. It gives you a reason to be alive. Have you ever noticed people who retire die? Anyone who retires and does not have an extracurricular activity whereby they travel or they pick up a hobby, they get sick and they die. 
They really die. They die sooner. This is a fact. It's a proven fact. Somebody says, so that is through fasting. Nope. So understand this by the Spirit of God. Understand this by the Spirit of God. Anyone that doesn't have anything to look forward to dies. That is why the Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. perish. Where there is no vision, the people what? Perish. If there are no people, when there, when there is no vision, people perish. So what vision are you feeding? Are you feeding eternal purposes? Or are you feeding the flesh that ends in the dust? Amen. You see, whatever you... you, you I, I was saying this to, to uh, the RISE students earlier. And I was telling them, I said this to them, I said, um, I said a lot of things, but this specific thing. If, and I'm looking for the perfect way to, to phrase it. If you don't consume, you see, your attention determines where your life is. Yes. That's why the Bible says it like this. It says, to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is what? Life. So if I'm feeding my carnality, I am eating death and I will reap death. And this is in the negative sense. But if I feed myself of spiritual things, naturally the flesh will die. An example, the reason why many of you are bound by sin is because all you hear about is sin. You don't hear about how to escape sin. When you teach people how to escape sin, naturally they will not sin because sin will come out of them. Because the only escape from sin is to feed what? The spirit. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Notice the reason why you are struggling with the flesh is you have not become spiritual. So every spiritual statement offends your flesh and your flesh becomes alive because the flesh doesn't want to die. The flesh doesn't want to die. If you fast, you can fast one week. Let's say you fast 21 days or 40 days. You still have 365 days in a year, minus 40. So all those other days, you are carnal. And then for those 40 days, you are holy. You are not holy, you are, you are spiritual. The moment you come out of that fast after a few days of eating soup, drinking water, eating this, eating that, you'll be right back where you are if you are never feeding your spirit. Right to where you are. This is why the Bible wants us to live a fasted life. This is why the Bible wants you to live a fasted life. I know people who for one week, I'm not going to do this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast from this, I'm going to fast for that. After that one week, 
Hey man, what are you doing? Yeah, you know, doing exactly what they used to do. Nothing changed. And if something changes, this is how you know if you have changed yourself and God didn't change you. <laughs> After a little bit, you always revert to what you used to do. You always go back to what you used to do. You always go back to the vomit. Somebody says we are, okay, hold on. Go back up. I want to see this. This is an interesting question. Go back. Uh, she said, my husband and I are both getting a divorce mutually to get out of living in adultery. We were both married before. Are we doing the wrong thing? Absolutely. You're absolutely doing the wrong thing. You're absolutely doing the wrong thing. You see, this is the problem when you misunderstand scripture. Like, even myself, they attacked me with the same thing. His wife is a, his ex-wife is alive and living. Why would he get married again? That's living in adultery. You people don't read the scriptures. This is the problem of reading the Bible without understanding. L reading it in the surface. Is somebody getting this? Amen. You have to read not only just words. You must read by divine Amen. revelation. Let me ask you a question. Let's, let's use logic, not even spiritual sense, which is uncommon. Let's just use regular sense. You get married to a man who beats you like a mule who beats you like you stole something. Just because you gave an opinion or just because you say something. You have black eye every other week. Bruises on your body. For five years and you're saying, I love him. Do you really think God wants you to be there? Right. Somebody who is abusing his own body. Yeah. Do you really think in the name of that verse, God wants you to be in that place. You see, the problem with the church is this. They want to protect the sanctity of what marriage represents, but they don't want to protect the people in it. The appearance of marriage to the world is more important than the health and the mental health of those who are inside. Do you think God wants you to be with an abusive wife? Who insults you, puts you down every single week for the number of years you have been together. Never an encouragement, looking down to, to you, maybe because you don't make the same amount of money or whatever it is. Do you think God actually in heaven wants that? That's not a marriage. Do you know what marriage is? You see, the problem is, and I, and I said this before, don't confuse a wedding for a marriage. So many people have an amazing wedding. <laughs> Zero marriage. 
They have never been married a day in their life. Then in a little bit, they just become roommates that lay with one another. They have never been married. Do you realize, listen to what the Bible says. He who finds a wife. So somebody doesn't become your wife because you put a ring. He who finds a wife, you don't find a girlfriend. You don't find a boyfriend. You are supposed to find a wife. You are supposed to find a husband. Meaning you should find somebody that is ready to what? To be merged. You're supposed to be merged. That's what marriage means. It means to marry two things. It's like shaken together that you can't tell one from the other. That's what marriage means. The joining of two things that you cannot tell apart one from another. That's why the Bible says that we are married to Christ. We belong to him. We are his body. We are one flesh. You are one spirit with him. That is a marriage. Notice, he's joined himself to us. Regardless of our fault because he's helping us through it. That's why the marriage exists. And we have the willingness to be molded. You see, Christianity is not just about right and wrong. Sin or no sin. It's also about foolishness. When you're foolish, you're not sinning, but you're not profitable. The foolish virgins, <laughs> they had kept themselves and they were not defiled, but their foolishness cost them the marriage supper. Ah, uh, you didn't get what I said. <laughs> that was profound. Foolishness can make you miss heaven. Amen. Not sin. Sin is one of the things, but foolishness. There are pure people who have never done anything, but foolishness will make them miss God. Okay, let me finish, right? I need to finish, right? I need to finish because of time. Divine truth always offends the flesh. Divine truth will always offend the flesh. And if you're offended, it's because your flesh is what is alive. Okay, uh, go, go up, go up. Somebody asked me a very good question. Somebody said, you mentioned fornication in marriage in one of your videos. Can you expound on that? I thought that was deep and want to know more about that. Very simple. You see, many of you don't know the word fornication in scripture, what it actually means. You only think fornication, the word fornication means adultery, it means sex. Fornication means way more than sex. So when I made the video and I said, you will never see in scripture where it is written explicitly, sex before marriage is a sin. People don't listen. I did not say that sex before marriage is not condemned in the Bible. I was saying word for word. You will not see where it is written. Mark 15, verse 2. Sex before marriage is sin. It is not written. That's... You see, people don't listen. They hear what they want to hear because of the flesh. Explicitly written. 
Then the video was like, ah, false prophet says it's okay to have sex. It's like, are you guys even listening? The word fornication means to prostitute self. To prostitute oneself. That is one of the meanings of fornication. So in that definition, and this is just one of the definitions, and it has many other definitions. In one of this, by this one definition, somebody can be married and fornicate. The church even considers masturbation, fornication. How many married people you know or you have heard of coming out, giving their testimony, saying, yeah, I used to watch a lot of porn. I used to, are they committing adultery? (laughs) Are you hearing me? Are they committing adultery or are they fornicating? Mike, can you help in this one? They are fornicating. So I saw people with zero theological understanding trying to make videos and saying, doesn't he know that sex before marriage is this? It's called adultery, and sex before marriage is called fornication. Yes, but that's the top surface. And, it, and I, I didn't say that that's not possible. I didn't say that that's not there. <laughs> Christians. Are, are, you, are you getting what I'm saying? Just by that one definition, you understand that it it is something else. Okay, let me give you an example. Do you know all the women in Jesus' lineage? There's a message I'm going to preach soon. It's a provocative title, but it it is full of divine revelation. Amen. <laughs> I won't say the title. In fact, I was working on this message with uh, my grandfather, Bishop Noel Jones. It's a very deep revelation. But <laughs> the message is called, I need a prostitute. Not in the sense you think. But let me give you an example. Do you realize every woman from the lineage of Jesus either engaged with prostitution or pretended to be a prostitute. The only one out of all of them that never did anything like that was Mary. But Mary had a child out of marriage. She would have been stoned to death. Joseph was planning to save her. The Ruths and all of them. Look in your Bible. It's crazy. And that is 100% your Bible. 
You see, the danger is don't listen to me if you're a baby Christian. You'll be offended. Amen. And if you do listen to me, you'll be delivered. Before you know it, they will say, are you saying Jesus was born of a prostitute? I never said that. Technically, Mary wasn't a prostitute, never was. She never did anything. But she had a child without being married. She was engaged. I'm not saying her and Joseph did anything. But if we want to be carnal, fill the blank for yourself. So in finishing, you see, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to preach deliverance to the captive. The greatest level of deliverance is the word of God. Amen. When the revelation truth enters you, you are free. Amen. When the law enters you, you become a slave. For the letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. Amen. So in finishing, his disciples, Jesus saw his disciples, they left him. They walked away. And then Jesus turned to the twelve and said, are you also going to leave me? Because now Jesus exposed who he was. Are you also going to leave me? But his disciples understood what Jesus was saying. Do you know what their answer was? Who else has the words of life? They understood the whole time Jesus was not talking about meat. He was expressing it spiritually. But in a nutshell, he said, all he was saying is, my words, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes, that proceeded from the mouth of God. If you listen to me, if you marinate yourself in what I'm saying, if you dunk yourself like a donut in what I'm saying, if you swim in what I'm saying, there will be life inside of you. Amen. Remember the same Jesus said, you search your scriptures, thinking in them you find life, they only point to me. Yeah. Meaning this scripture, according to the words of Jesus, not my words, you can be reading this and produce death. I saw a video of somebody going to, I'll, I'll finish with this, I promise. Um, I saw, I, saw uh, um, I think Sham had posted this. She had posted a video of a guy who went to Joel Austin's church. And, uh, and he shouted, Joel, uh, you have turned the house, of, and I'm paraphrasing, you have turned the house of God, I can't be here and see you. Uh, 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 turned the house of God into a marketplace because there were bookstores and whatever. Hmm? There is no repentance taught in this church. You see, the problem of being spiritually immature, they think repentance means forgiveness of sin. <laughs> if I tell you, you are saved by grace and not of your works, the only way you will change is by repenting, not asking for forgiveness. Because what you are doing is without knowing. To repent means to turn away from your old ways and change your mind. Amen. 
God is interested in the transformation of the mind. Renew your mind by the reading of the Not preaching sin so that people say, I am a sinner. So when they hear people saying, I am a sinner, they think that is repentance. That is recognition of your fallen nature that you already delivered from. Now your mind is being renewed. That's what repentance is. We repent daily because daily our mind is being renewed. We don't repent because we are sinning. We are repenting of ignorance. That was making us sinners subconsciously. Subconsciously we were away from God. That's what we are doing. Ah, children of God. So he said, ah, you know, they told him, why, why are you doing this? He said, you listen to me. Jesus went into the market and flips the tables of the merchants. You see, th- this is the problem of not knowing scripture, of not understanding scripture. Many of you think Jesus flipped the tables because they were selling. That's not accurate. How many temples did Jesus go to and he never flipped tables? Why did he flip tables in this temple? Number one, because the priests would tell people what they are bringing is not good enough so that they buy from them. And not only that, they made the the sacrifices that they were selling that people could present before God more expensive than it should be. That's why he said you have turned it into a den of, of thieves and a place of money changers. Notice it was a place of transactions. He didn't say you have turned my, my, my house into a, a supermarket, into, into, into a place where people buy. No, because from the beginning, the temple of God, always money was always involved. People gave money. Are you getting what I'm saying? There were things that people always bought from the house of God, whether small or big, it did not matter. But these guys messed up by doing this. And Jesus knew about this temple all along. This one time he flipped the tables because he also wanted to provoke them so that they can crucify him. He knew, about this, he knew about this temple long ago. He was setting them up to crucify him because he knew if I flip their tables because the high priest is involved, the other priests are involved, if I flip their tables, they would want to get rid of me because now I'm messing with their money. Amen. So he flipped their tables and then hid. Then they all gathered, we got to kill this guy. This is why you need to know scripture in context, people. Was it David that wanted to buy the threshing floor? Somebody offered it for free. Do you know what he said? I will never give God what has not cost me. Everything that you give to God must cost you. It must mean something. Not just physically, but spiritually. It must be of value to you. Or else it means nothing. So in finishing today, I know I said a lot. 
but spiritual truth will always offend the flesh. And if it offends you, it means it is cutting you. Because the word of God is like a double-edged sword. Dividing asunder. Spirit and soul. Born to marrow. It is a discerner of the intents of the heart. Meaning when the word of truth truly comes. Notice he did not say the words of God. He said the word when you truly have an encounter with Jesus, <laughs> you see, Peter was made to repent when he got fish. Jesus was preaching on the shore, asked him to get on his boat. Peter was like, mm-hmm, while he's washing his nets, mm. preach on, teacher. Ah, deep. Jesus said, "Uh, Peter, get on the boat. Let's go catch fish. You know what? Let me not make him look bad in the presence of people. Lord, I've been fishing all night, but if you say so, let's go. I'm going to be a good lad. He gets in the water and he sees the amount of fish they caught. He looked at Jesus and fell on the ground and said, get away from me, Lord. I am a sinner. The whole time I was preaching, you didn't recognize you were a sinner. (laughs) You didn't catch the revelation. The whole time Jesus was talking and teaching, the guy never thought he was a sinner. He was like, hmm, wow. You hit it on point, sir. (laughs) Preach on, sir. You are deep. (laughs) You are powerful. You are extraordinary. Ah. Hey, hey. (laughs) (laughs) Professor. But Jesus didn't even speak to him. Jesus just said, let's go catch fish. When he saw how much fish he caught, he fell on his knees and said, Lord, what do you want with me? Get away from me. I am a sinner. Then Jesus said, I don't worry. I will make you a fisher of men. Notice Jesus didn't need to tell him, Peter, you have anger issues. You're too violent. And you notice the things Jesus was preaching. Never made Peter, even though he said, blessed are the pure in heart. Even though he said all these things. Peter was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing ever touched him. <laughs> Meaning what will make you repent is not the same thing that will make me repent. <laughs> you didn't hear what I said. What will make Esther say, I give my life to the Lord, is not what will make Eva give her life to the Lord. Peter needed to see the blessing to repent. Another needed healing to say, I will follow you. Another needed deliverance to say, Lord, I give you my life, I will follow you. The goodness of God brings men to repentance. Not the fear of hell. That will make you a pretender. Heaven is for those who love God. I want you to grab something special. I want you to, to grab something special.
and I want you to give it prayerfully. For two minutes, you go and give, and then you come back, and then we'll pray. I want you to grab something special that means something to you. And you're going to say, Lord Jesus, thank you for this word. As I give unto your work, remember me and my house, increase us also. So let that be your prayer in your own words. Thank him for even this word that has been taught today. While you're giving, because your giving supports this work and all the people that are working behind the scenes. So give him thanks as you're giving, because this is life-changing. But I may leave it up for like an hour, and it may disappear, because I said too much. So go quickly and give, and then we'll be back. Thanks for joining us. We trust that what you have received today will change your life forever. Please follow us on social media at Prophet Lovi and Revelation Church LA for updates, events, and teachings. If you are interested in connecting with this teaching, head over to ProfitLovi.com or RevelationChurchLA.org and click on Giving. Revelation Church is located in Simi Valley, California and has prophetic service every Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to see you there.